0: Hello and welcome to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. In this podcast, I share with you all sorts of tips and tools and stories and perspectives that can help you learn how to build courage, how to stand through anything. Please know that some of these episodes, we are using Facebook Live recordings sometimes live events, it could be from a video. So if you hear me reference something that you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, that's probably why. If you want to access videos, then go to ValerieSilvera.com. That's where you can learn about all of my resources. And you can find me at Valerie Silvera on Facebook and in all sorts of other places on social media. What's most important is that you use these recordings, these episodes to help you change your life because the world is waiting for you. Hello everybody and welcome to the Still Standing Show. This is the show where I share my own stories, stories of others and tools and tips so that you can learn to stand up and stand strong. It's to give you hope that you can stand through anything. By the time we've lived a few decades on this planet, especially, we've been through stuff. We've been through experiences that have knocked us down. Sometimes the hits keep coming. We have experienced loss, disappointment, betrayal, health issues, sometimes kids going in the wrong direction, loss of loved ones, sometimes like me, even the loss of a child. And with all of my 57 years of experience on this planet, I've been through some stuff, absolutely without question. But each one of those experiences has caused me to become stronger, to develop courage, to find my hope, to increase my faith. Lots of things that are all an incredible experience to grow and change and learn if you're willing to. A lot of people go through experiences and then they just stay down on the mat and they make excuses for not standing up and changing their life. They wait for somebody else to change or they sit in a pity party and feel sorry for themselves. I get it, that was me. I would imagine that I probably attended a few pity parties throughout my life, if I'm really being truthful here, which you know that I am. Um, but the real big, big, big pity party that I attended, it was an ongoing, it was a big party. It was a Rager Man. It went on for years. And it was because of my daughter's addiction and my inability to stop it, to stop the roller coaster from hell and to make her get clean and to stop all the chaos and drama and heartbreak and disappointment and disbelief and everything else in my life and because I couldn't control that. Oh, stay tuned to a future episode here because I'm gonna talk about that control thing quite a few times. Or should we call it our false sense of control? Anyway, so, this uh, this thing knocked me for a loop. And it I was living with a dark cloud hanging over my heart every day, 24 seven, for 13 years, not, knowing what to do when the smartest person I knew was crashing. She was on a freight train headed toward a brick wall, and I couldn't stop her. And I just thought if Jamie would get clean, everything could be better and everything could be normal again. Well, I I learned there was no more normal, okay? There was going to be a new normal. But, I mean, sure, if Jamie had become clean, life would have gotten a heck of a lot better. Of course, some of you have experienced this, and you know what I'm talking about. Why wouldn't life get better? Of course it would. But here's the thing. When we go through life really difficult life altering experiences, we change. Okay, I mean, it changes us, it changes our DNA, it literally changes us. And so we have to figure out what we're gonna do, what it's gonna change us into. We get, that's the thing, we get this choice. And so there have been a lot of experiences that you've had, perhaps like me, from childhood on. And you know, sometimes, you know, we do feel badly. We, we feel like we got a bad break. You know, we started out life with a bad break. Many of us did. Many of us started out at a disadvantage. Many of us don't use that as an excuse to stay down. And you know, somebody here just posted their grandsons having a huge pity party. Well, you know what? All you can do, Monette, is be a good example of how to get out of a pity party. That's all you can do. It's his choice if he wants to stay in that pity party. And, you know, he's learned a lot, so I'm sure that he can probably get himself out of it, but he might need to, you know, hang out in it for a while till he figures out how crappy it feels, right? So, again, I'm going to share with you, listen, the, the title of this segment, this show, this session is called From Hot Dogs to Near Stardom. And I called it it that, and by the way, I use this book, Still Standing, which is my newest book, and I hope you'll get a copy at ValerieSilvera.com or on Amazon. We have three journals right now that go with this book, and if you get them on our website, it's a much better uh, deal. But anyway, get them wherever you get them. I highly recommend that you do that. So, From Hot Dogs to Near Stardom, the reason I called it that is, if you watched my last episode, which was on Thursday, And right now, our plan is to air these every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on my Facebook page, Valerie Silvera, and on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. If you listen to my last one or you have a copy of this book, you know that my first section I talked about how my life did not start out on a high note. Stay tuned, my friends, because it doesn't matter how we start. It matters how we finish. So in that book, I talked about we ate a lot of hot dogs back in my day. Okay, recap real quickly. My mom was 17 when she had my older brother, 19 when she had me, and 20 by the time she had my younger brother, Brad. There were three of us by the time she was 20 years old. She was married to a guy who wasn't real excited about being a dad, being a husband, I should say. And they got divorced when I was very young, and he wasn't real excited about paying child support either. And so here was this this former straight A student who now has all these children and, you know, had to figure out how to make money and my mom worked her behind off and she was very sad and depressed a lot. And, um, I understand that, but you know, we, our childhood was filled with all sorts of stuff and in still standing, I shared just a few of the stories. You know, I didn't want to share some of the uglier stories just because I didn't feel they were necessary to, you know, tell other people's stories. But anyway, Told you just enough of it to, for you to get the point that my life started out tough, okay? And a lot of you can, can relate and understand, um, but I'm not using that as an excuse that my childhood was tough and that we were at a disadvantage and my mom burned the coffee table for heat one night. By the way, when you're poor, you don't have solid wood coffee tables. <laughs> so it was like a smoke-filled house. Didn't get much heat either. So um, anyway, In that last episode, I told you, one of the stories I told you is that my grandfather also worked at the meatpacking plant because he was in purchasing, woohoo, big time. He got free hot dogs and we ate a, you know what, load of hot dogs when I was a kid. So this next portion of my story is from hot dogs to near stardom. Let me tell you why. So both of my brothers played hockey from an early age, and by the way, hockey is an expensive sport, and I don't know how in the world us poor people afforded hockey, but I'm pretty sure my grandfather had something to do with it, my grandpa and nana. But hockey practices were like you know five o'clock in the morning in the winter time, I'm from the Seattle area, and I can remember my grandpa picking us up in the dark and taking us to this one rink, by the way, was, was indoor, but it was outdoor. It had zero heat or anything, so it was freezing cold, And my grandfather was so important to us in those days. And um, so he took us to, to those practices. And so speaking of hockey, I wanted to be a gymnast. Okay, talk about one of my first disappointments besides the fact that my dad was never picked us up when he said he was going to and ditched us all the time and didn't pay child support. And there was a lot of disappointment in regards to that. But here was a big disappointment. Maybe some of you can relate. I wanted to be a gymnast. Anybody else on here old enough to remember Olga Corbett? She was a Russian gymnast. I wanted to be Olga Corbett. (laughs) She was awesome. Uh, But we couldn't afford gymnastics and hockey, so I unfortunately was not able to have gymnastic classes or anything like that. By the way, when I'm in junior high though, my mom went and fought for me to get on the junior high gymnastics team. Never having a gymnastic class in my life. Okay, mom, what were you thinking? Okay, I'm not very flexible, (laughs) but guess what? I want to tell you something girls i won a gold no not gold medal see i'm thinking about olga corbin <laughs> i won a blue ribbon first place in the vault Woohoo! that didn't take a whole lot of flexibility back in the day he did like a straddle vault right so anyways i even competed on the balance beam which is actually kind of comical when i think about it but anyways so I wasn't able to become a gymnast because of hockey. Now, I will have to tell you though, hanging out at a ice arena with a bunch of boys wasn't that bad. It was kind of a close second to gymnastics. So anyway, I had to handle my disappointment though. And I had to turn that disappointment into something good. And that's what we have to do. We have to quit feeling sorry for ourselves and feeling like, oh, I had this huge disappointment. Oh my gosh. Listen, there's a lot of other things in life. We can get focused too much on what we've missed and our disappointments and what we didn't get to do. And the fact that, you know, I probably would have won a gold medal in the Olympics. Probably not, (laughs) but anyway, so this whole hockey thing. So my mother met the junior hockey coach. And for those of you who are not in hockey, you don't, hockey's become a lot more popular. Now, when I was growing up, hockey wasn't so popular around people who weren't in hockey. But um, my, uh, my mom, met and started going out with a junior coach. Well, let me tell you something. In youth hockey, juniors are the top of the food chain. That's where people can leave juniors and go to the pros. A Couple people did. And um, so my, this is in the Seattle area. My dad's the junior hockey coach. My, well, no, he wasn't my dad then. My mom's dating the junior hockey coach. And man, that was so cool. It was something in our little hockey world. So I call it from hot dogs to near stardom because in our little hockey world, it was like near stardom that we'd hitched our wagon to him. And my dad's name is Don, but his hockey name, because his last name is Chipka, he was a professional hockey player too, by the way. Back before the NHL expansion, you know how NHL players make a boatload of money? Well, my dad played before the NHL expanded before it became what it is today. Darn it. So yeah, so my stepdad though was a professional hockey player and um, he, had a nickname chips so that's why his name is chips because you know sports they always give each other nicknames so when you retire from hockey and you really don't have a whole lot of other skills because that's basically all you've done your entire life is play hockey he you don't have you know what are you gonna do he went and worked at a brewery so my stepdad worked at Rainier brewery in Seattle And right next to the interstate five, real close to interstate five was the brewery. I mean, it's still there today. This building sits right next to the freeway. And on the top of it was a big red R, the Rainier, the R. (laughs) My mom, okay, listen, it wasn't like exactly like we were rolling in dough. Remember I told you it was before the NHL expansion and he worked at um, the brewery. But we did have a lot of beer around the house that turned out to be pretty handy later in life. But anyway, he, uh, so, but things were better. We didn't have to eat a bunch of hot dogs. In fact, we hardly ever ate hot dogs. We gotta eat stuff like chicken. And I even learned about steak. So hey, when you go from burning the coffee table and eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, that nasty blue box of macaroni and cheese, and now you have a steak on occasion and a chicken breast, life's pretty good. We even had our first house we bought, or my parents bought, So anyway, when we would drive past the big red R, because we were in better shape than than we were, it's all relative, right? It's all your perspective. We weren't exactly rolling in dough, but not only were we better off financially, my mother was finally happy. And that, that was a lot, because for the first 12 years of my life, my mother was not very happy. And so when I was 12 years old, she got married and she got happier. And hey, by the way, I get why she was unhappy. Life was definitely tough for her. Anyway. So my mom would have us, when we drove past the big red R on the freeway, my mom would have us put our hand over our heart. (laughs) Ha ha, how do you like that? (laughs) We have this friend here named Adrian. And Adrian is, he's on the autism spectrum. He's like almost 40 years old, I think. But he's the most awesome guy. And he just says everything very, very matter of fact. And sometimes he has words that are a little off, but some of the things he says are the classic most awesome things. He once told... My friend Pamela, who's his mother in law, that you know he had to dress a certain way for this party that we were having because the Val's family is sophisticated f- and fessional. <laughs> we're sophisticated and fessional, and boy, we grabbed onto that one. This is pretty sophisticated, isn't it? Putting your hand over your heart for the big red R. <laughs> but you know what? That you know, so that's just it, too. What this story can help you is to remember that. Where you are today doesn't have to be where you are in the future. Back when I was eating hot dogs and my mom was really depressed and my you know, uncle was breaking into our house and my mom chased him down the road with a butcher knife and and you know we waited for my dad who wouldn't show up and all these sad childhood things, I couldn't have known that life would get better because all I knew was what was going on. But each one of us has to hold on to hope because life is also very cyclical. And... Um, so definitely things got better for us. Um, but this was also the period of my, of my life. Listen, I'm gonna be just you know straight up with you. This was the period of my life that I learned how to party. And I learned how to party hardy. Not like my daughter Jamie who became addicted to heroin. Not like that. But I learned how to smoke pot with the best of them. And boy, could we drink beer. We'd go to keggers and we partied and had a grand old time. Um, you know, yeah, sure. I wish I could, hadn't have done that, maybe, but I, I had a good time and I survived. And I had some car accidents where I probably shouldn't have survived. We had one. I tell, I talk about this in Still Standing, this this story of we were my friend and I, Diane. We were getting a ride from this friend of ours up from the beach, and he had his girlfriend with him, and we were in the back seat, my friend Diane and I, and we're going up this. It's called Richmond Beach Road, and it's this windy road up from the beach in the north um, end of the Seattle area, and. Um, And so we're going up this windy road and all of a sudden he hits at the curb and he shoots across all four lanes of traffic and he flies over an embankment and there was this uh, as you're going up the hill there's an apartment complex but it was down low because the hill is going up and the apartment complex is down here and we the car launched thank God it was a big heavy car I think it was like a Thunderbird or something and it, it was his parents car and it launched us all across all four lanes of traffic thank God there were no cars coming down. And we went over the embankment and landed in the parking lot. None of us were wearing seat belts. It was the 70s. And none of us had even a bump or a scratch. I tell you what, even in the middle of my partying days, I knew that God had a plan for my life because nobody had even a scratch. And when I looked back, there was another car in the parking lot and it was smashed flat. So that our car had smashed it flat and then, landed in the parking lot without so much as a scratch. So there was another time when I rolled the Jeep and there was the time I drove my car into a tree down our hill. So yeah, there were some scary times back then, but I like to tell people, even though I was parting my brains out, I did graduate high school with honors. So I kept my act together. I reasoned that I was a responsible partier. The fact is that my life was probably fairly unfulfilled In some area and I was you know masking my unfulfillment with partying that was what was going on and so I made a lot of mistakes is is what I'm here to tell you I made a lot of mistakes in my childhood in my young life I still make mistakes but I made a lot of teenage mistakes and fast forward to my daughter becoming an addict Um, sometime around the age of 15 is when all hell broke loose I blamed myself I thought for sure it had something to do with me Anybody relate to this where we're taking on the responsibility for somebody else's actions? I mean, I'm sure that many of you listening, watching can totally relate to this, that you know, we take on and we take it on with guilt. We take the responsibility for somebody else's actions on and it manifests itself in the form of guilt, right? We're, we feel guilty that they acted this way because they're our child or there there are you know, whatever loved one, we, we have guilt over that. We think that it had to be something to do with us. So, when I talk about these partying years, I want you to know that I had a lot of guilt associated with it because I thought it was my fault. I thought that I caused my daughter's addiction. I thought that um... I was being paid back. I was being punished by God. I literally thought that. I thought, you know, if I hadn't a partied and, you know, I didn't, I don't have addiction. I don't have that genetic, but my, my ex-husband does. And, um, my daughter got that. And so then of course I feel guilty that I married him and, you know, we take on all sorts of guilt. And here's the thing that you need to remind yourself if you're doing this, you're giving yourself a little bit too much credit if you think that you're so responsible for somebody else's actions. Do you honestly think that you make other people do things? Uh, Dawn is saying here, as I'm recording this here on Facebook, that she blamed her genes and there were alcoholics in her family. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, Dawn. As a matter of fact, she's Dr. Simone and she's going to be at Still Standing Live. She's a PhD psychologist and a trauma expert. And she came to Still Standing Live in 2019 and loved it so much that she's coming back and actually going to do a, a really fun, fun session on PTSD and, and you know, overcoming trauma and cool stuff. Uh, but anyway, she and I were talking about it the other day and she has that, the same issue you do, Don, and she f- had that guilt and felt guilty for her genes and, um, but you know what? I said, I said, have you forgiven yourself? And she said, absolutely. And I thought, good for you, girl. Uh, because you know, here's the deal. My daughter Jamie wouldn't even exist if it weren't for her dad with the genes. And if it weren't for me and whatever genes she got from me, she wouldn't have even existed. So we can't do that, you guys. I mean, here's the other thing, by the way. I have two kids, two biological children, same parents. One, is, one ended up in addiction and one didn't. So how do you explain that? Okay. I mean, so I think, yeah, exactly. Don Don just said Steve's family's crazy. So maybe it's his fault. So that's the thing. They got addiction on their dad's side and crazy on my side. Don, exactly the same thing. Well, not the same thing from you, but you get my point opposite. So yeah, we can't do that. I think that, um, as I said, you're giving yourself way, 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 way too much credit, like really seriously. And I mean this tongue in cheek and I get it. And remember I'm saying all this stuff to me too. Who do you think you are? (laughs) Right? I mean do you really think you're that powerful because genetics are not there's still choice involved come on nobody's born with a needle in their arm nobody's born with a glass of whiskey in their hand there's still choice involved to start doing something and to keep doing it and to get clean or not get clean there's choice involved so we cannot you know you don't have the responsibility for all this come on if we didn't believe there was choice involved we wouldn't believe in recovery So speaking of which, recovery, we're all needing to recover from something. Of course my story has to do with addiction and I'm always gonna talk about that and it's always gonna be a part of my story and whether or not addiction has touched your life and unfortunately by now it's touched most people's lives. But even if it hasn't, you can still learn so much from my story, from my daughter's murder, from this whole entire experience because whatever we go through, whatever disappointments and trauma and fears and um, challenges and hardships and heartbreaks and all of that, we all wind up with the same feelings, right? We all wind up feeling sad and depressed and lonely and confused and sometimes we lose faith and hope and we're confused and we're disappointed and we, we, take take on shame and guilt, right? We become, we we grab a hold of a label and we become that, like, mom of an addict, right? Tattoo it on my forehead. Mom of a murder victim. Uh, You know, childhood drama. But that's our choice, okay? We don't have to take on any negative label that we don't want to take on. It's our choice. And so it's interesting because sometimes, listen, I want you to really get this. Sometimes when you're, in the middle of something, you're, you're not, might not really be learning or aware that you're learning, but always take the opportunity to look back. And I always tell you not to live in the past. And I tell you not to live in the past when you're doing the coulda, woulda, shoulda thing. However, sometimes it's healthy to go back and, and look at the past and go, okay, what did I learn? You know, what do, what do I get from this? How do I not repeat a certain mistake? And sometimes you gotta go back there so you can forgive yourself, and that's the F word. And boy, are we gonna talk about that one on future episodes here. Um, so I tell you my story. The reason I told more of my story, and by the way, I didn't tell all of my story. I just told some snippets of it because I want you to understand that, first of all, that you're not alone. And if you're carrying around shame because you had a difficult childhood, or You're using it as an excuse, okay? I wanna hear from people who are using this as an excuse. Are you brave enough to tell me that you've been using something that happened to you as an excuse not to get better? Stop doing that because you can't change the past. We all know that. You can't change what anybody else does or says or thinks. It's impossible, okay? I don't care how much of a control freak you are, how much you want to, or how much you love somebody. You don't have control over their actions. You cannot make them think a certain way or say certain things. You can be an influence, though. And there's a big difference between control and influence. You can influence people. So I know for sure that my kids were influenced by me knowing some of my childhood story, knowing what I overcame and how I chose to have a good attitude in spite of it, Um, and and how I, I chose to find the nuggets of wisdom and what I learned during those difficult times. I learned about hard work. I learned about integrity. I learned about uh, fighting. I learned about keeping my sense of humor. So many things. I'm seeing here in in this Facebook live recording, Jerry's saying she's not ashamed of being the mom of an addict, but it's a part, being the mom of an addict is part of her label. See, that's the difference, Jerry, it's part of your label. Some people grab a hold of something, they head down that road, and then it sends them into victimhood and all sorts of stuff. Yes, that is a part of your story, and you stand up, girl, and you stand right on top of it, just like I do. I have zero shame or guilt anymore involved with my daughter's addiction, Uh, and I agree with you, Jerry, I have learned so much Being the mom of an addict and even being the mom of a murder victim and just, listen, everything we go through in this life, I really wish a lot of us didn't have to go through so many things, but every single thing you go through is an opportunity and I know that sounds cliche when you're not ready to hear this, so come back and listen to this or watch this another time. If you're not ready to hear it, you might like shut me off or throw a tomato at the screen or something. But if you're ready, hear this: You are every single thing you go through. Every single experience is here to serve you. It's here to serve you, okay? But it's not going to serve you if you won't allow it to. You can't learn from an experience if you aren't willing to say something or to uh, learn something from it. If you're not willing to go, okay, what am I going to do with this? What how am I going to grow from this? I spent 15 of my daughter's 30 years. My daughter lived for 30 years, seven months, and four days on this planet. And half of that time was chaos and heartbreak and just all sorts of awful stuff. Thankfully though, even before she was murdered, I made the decision to stand up and fight for my life, to become a better person, to learn what I could, and to give back in this world. And thank God I did, or I don't know what I'd do, how I'd make it through her murder, and, and and everything else. We were betrayed by a friend. There's a lot of stuff we go through. And we but we get to choose whether or not it's gonna serve us. So even this guy that betrayed us by stealing our savings, how can, what, what are we gonna learn from that? Not to trust anybody, Valerie, is that what you're saying? No, but maybe being a little more discerning and being a little more careful, that would be a good lesson for us to learn. <laughs> But it also helped me to learn more about forgiveness. I have forgiven people that I would have never imagined forgiving. If you had painted these scenarios in the past and said, would you forgive them? I would have said a big resounding hell no. (laughs) But but indeed I have. And how do you learn forgiveness at a high level? How do you learn to use the F word at a high level unless you go through some stuff? Unless you have people betray you and hurt you and Um, Break your heart and, and all these things. How would you learn about it if you didn't ever experience them? And so you're going to hear this from me all the time. Life is tough. So stop thinking life's not supposed to be tough. It is. It's tough. It's also wonderful and magical and beautiful and it's a gift and all the good stuff, but it's also tough. So the remedy for a tough life is to become tougher, it's to build courage. It's to learn to use tools and resources that can help you to become strong, to face fears, and to learn everything you can from your experience, and importantly, take it and help change the world, even if it's just a little, teeny, tiny bit. That's what it's all about, my friends. It's not about looking back and saying, You know, I put my hand over my heart as a kid over the, you know, at the Rainier, going past the Rainier Brewery. I lived on hot dogs and we were poor and there was all this sadness and chaos and drama. And then, you know, I was stupid enough to get married at 20. That'll be the next episode. And, you know, got divorced at a young age and blah, 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 blah. We either choose to focus on that or we say proudly, that's my story. Like Jerry said, every little piece, every little label, they're all just a piece of your story but don't get stuck in any of them i'm not stuck on the little girl whose mother ran her ran her uncle down the road with a butcher knife to you know protect her children <laughs> i think it's actually a pretty awesome story so next episode that's my so that's my encouragement to you today don't get stuck so Next episode, which will be on Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I am going to talk to you about the next episode, and it was about my brilliant decision to get married at the age of 20. Now, I don't regret it, and boy, did I learn some stuff from it. Could I, If I could rewind the clock, would I have changed? Heck yeah, I would have changed a lot of things, but we don't get to rewind the clock, so why don't we just learn and grow from it, and like Jerry said, stand on your story and make every experience that you've gone through is part of your story. Have some humor with it, learn from it, grow from it. Make yourself better. Stop waiting for crap to change around you so that everything will just get better. You're not gonna get better until you make the decision to stand up and fight, till you decide that you are worth it, that the world needs you, and that it is time. Because let me tell you something, you need to, if you get nothing else from this video, get this, time is the one thing you can't get back. You can pretty much get anything else back. You cannot get time back. And today is the only day you're guaranteed. So I hope today is the day that you decide to stand up and fight. If you want some help with this, join my Still Standing Tribe coaching membership. I'd love to have you jump on board with that. And we're going to have some really cool stuff coming up in 2020. And come to a Still Standing live event. We have one coming up in April. So go to ValerieSilvera.com and check all this stuff out. Until the next episode of the Still Standing show, I want you to know that whatever you're going through, you are not alone. Like I said, after a few decades on this planet, we all go through a lot of stuff. But it's all here to serve you. So stand up. Make today the day you stand up and know that wherever you are in this world, I will be standing right there with you. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks again for listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Please be sure to follow me on social media, and go to my website at com, where I have lots of awesome resources to help you stand up and fight and to remain standing. Link arms with me. You are not alone and you don't have to do this alone. Together, we can get through anything. Please know that I'm always standing with you. Have an awesome day.